This is the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. You can find the show on Twitter at All Around Guy Podcast One, and you can email the show at All Around Guy Podcast at gmail.com. First episode of the All Around Guy Podcast. My name is Mitchell Stevens. Going to open the show today to talk about stubbornness in NFL head coaching. And it's too easy to talk about Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears. I'll touch on that a little bit, but I want to start, to me, with the best example that I've seen, the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll. Seattle Seahawks in 2020 were 12-4 and first in the NFC West. Russell Wilson was probably first in line for the MVP through eight weeks of that season. Offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer doing a fantastic job. End the year with 3,900 and change passing yards. Russell Wilson with 40 passing touchdowns to 13 interceptions. Modern day NFL. Throw the ball. We know Russell Wilson, what he can do on his feet. 40 to 13 is a great ratio, 12 and 4. A lot to like. But that's not how Pete Carroll likes to play football. Pete Carroll is, I want to run the ball, play defense, low scoring games. Don't turn the ball over, let a team make a mistake. All, all well and good. You can win games. But when you have a top five quarterback in the league in his prime, and you have exactly what most teams are out looking for, a quarterback-coach duo. In this case, it's Quarterback offensive coordinator, not quarterback head coach. But it was showing in 2020 with Brian Schottenheimer, him and Russell Wilson were clicking. Russ had a little more say in the offense, got to open it up a little bit. And why wouldn't you with T. Lockett? DK Metcalf, rising superstar. Not for Pete Carroll. Fires Brian Scheinheimer, which brings us to 2021. Seahawks are 4 and 8, fourth in the NFC West. And Pete Carroll brings in Shane Waldron, passing game coordinator under Sean McVay. We know. We saw it with Zach Taylor. If you're near Sean McVay, all the jokes were you're, you're doomed for the next job that you won the NFL. The last time Shane Waldron called plays as an offensive coordinator was in high school in 2011, where he was an offensive coordinator in Massachusetts. So we have to go back 10 years to find a guy when was the last time he called plays at a high school level. Because in 2020 with Brian Scheinheimer, 3,900 yards passing, 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, wasn't good enough for Pete Carroll. 
it wasn't good enough because it wasn't Pete's way. Well, Pete got his way. Brings in Shane. Reports are servicing. Russell Wilson's not happy. Doesn't get enough say in the game plan. Probably Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll defensive coordinator Ken Norton he's a Pete Carroll guy Norton was USC's linebackers coach 2004-2010 with Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll was at USC he spent some time with the Raiders from 2010 to 2017 as a defensive coordinator Pete Carroll brings him in in 2018 the past two years with Ken Norton, the Seahawks are 22nd, and this year they're 31st in yards against. Only person that doesn't matter to is Pete Carroll, because it's his show, and he's getting his way. Lack of adaptability and stubbornness. Superstar quarterback now not happy. Because Pete wants control. Got rid of the coach that his star quarterback had a connection with. Same old defense he wants to play. Doesn't have the talent of the Legion of Boom from a few years ago. Pete Carroll has to be out of Seattle at the end of the year. They still may lose Russell Wilson. But you can't continue with someone leading a team that prefers to just do it their way versus what's working. Because in 2020 with Braun Scheinheimer, that offense was clearly working. But it wasn't Pete's style of ball. Last year, they only had 411 rushing attempts this year because Pete, first-year offensive coordinator, guy hasn't called plays in 10 years. He's never called plays at the college or pro level. They've already ran it 375 times. That's Pete Carroll style. That's gotten them to 4-8 and eight in 4th in the West versus 12-4 and four division winners last year. Russell Wilson having an MVP quarterback year. Now in the most Russell Wilson way and the nicest way possible, he wants out. What do people say when you hear about Bill Belichick? What comes up the most? His ability to adapt. Week in and week out, having a different game plan for the Patriots. That's what people talk about. They can reconstruct themselves. They can remake their identity. You may have to be on time for practice, but that's the cost of being able to do whatever you want with your roster, playing fundamentally sound. And going down as the greatest coach in NFL history. When... Star offensive coordinator tries to leave New England for a head coaching job. What do they do? They pay him money. They give him a long-term look to keep him in. Because the greatest coach of all time, because Pete Carroll's defensive-minded, Bill Belichick's defensive-minded, Bill Belichick understands the importance of the relationship between offensive coordinator and quarterback, what McDaniels and Brady had, now what McDaniels and Mac Jones have. Greatest head coach of all time identifies that and how important that is. 
Pete Carroll a year ago has it with Sean Hyman and Russell Wilson. But because he didn't have control and it wasn't his style of ball, the only 411 attempts rushing this year already at 375, fires Brian Schottenheimer this year 4-8, and eight, and it's a painful 4-8. and eight. A painful 4-8 and eight of very close games. They can't block on the offensive line. Even though they want to run the ball, they really can't run the ball. Defensively, they play the same the same style of defense. They don't have the talent of Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and the Legion of Boom. And why? Pete Carroll, too stubborn, unable to adapt. We know what we know that already with Matt Nagy in Chicago. They don't fire head coaches during the year. It's just a matter of time before the end of the season. But to me, what Pete Carroll is doing up in Seattle and what he's done the past two years with Russell Wilson's prime is way worse than anything that Matt Nagy's doing in Chicago. Pete should be lucky to have Matt Nagy because it's overshadowing some of what's going on up there and some of the decisions that he's making for his own stubbornness and his own ego rather than being willing to work with an offensive coordinator to let Russ cook in an offense that was really finding its groove in 2020. Granted, the second half was a little bit less than the first half of that year, but the overall body of work was more than enough. Greatest coach of all time sees the importance of keeping around his offensive coordinator, Pete Carroll. Little stubbornness, little ego fires his to choose a guy that hasn't called plays in 10 years. And the last time he did it was at a high school in Massachusetts. Matt Nagy's the only one keeping the attention away from what's going on in Seattle. Coming up next, let's look ahead of some weekend games. I give you my five games that I like the most to bet on. I'm going to give you one game that I think everybody should stay away from. Stay tuned. All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. Week 14 in the NFL. We're in the second week of December. We're coming off a week of Monday night football game where we've seen weather play its first impact on a game, this time in Buffalo. With the heavy wind in New England only needing to throw the ball three times in victory. The first game I'm going to give you for this weekend that I like, Lions at Denver. Lions go into this on the road, 10-point dogs. I'm going with the Lions' money line. This team got their first win. They have a little bit of Mike Zimmer, or Zim, as Troy Aikman kept calling them in the Thursday night game to think with that defense and just, hey, they didn't give up anything behind them in the end zone, but they gave up the touchdown in front of them. Lions finally get a win, but they've been playing competitive. They've been playing hard all year. 
This is a Denver team with Teddy Bridgewater that we've seen Sunday night football prime time against a mediocre at best Chiefs defense. They couldn't move the ball. I like the Jamal Williams kid a lot at running back. But that team doesn't have enough balance. Collinsworth kept saying on the broadcast, hey, they're going to let Teddy Bridgewater throw deep, throw deep. The shots he was taking were more throwaways than anything. That's not going to loosen up a defense. To me, the Lions went outright. I don't think the Broncos can score enough in that game. I think the Lions moving the ball pretty well. I like them in that 20-13. to 13. They're playing hard for Dan Quinn. Easy money line to start your Sunday morning off. Sticking with the Sunday morning time slot at 11 a.m., the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs come in opening at 9.5 point favorites. They're going to win this game by at least two touchdowns. I opened the show talking about stubbornness with Pete Carroll. We already know about Matt Nagy. The Chiefs in October, people wrote off. There's no more big play. Tyree Kill, Hardman, they're not physical enough. You can double Kelsey. Teams, teams can play this show. If you watch any, any game with the Chiefs, any pregame show, any analyst show, all you heard about the Chiefs was just play the shell. The shell. Pretty much just only rush three, four guys. Keep everybody back. Stay in this zone. Keep two safeties back. Keep people in front of you. The shell. The word of October for the National Football League because the Chiefs were figured out. And you know, a little bit they were. But Andy Reid adapted. Took him a month. But him and Mahomes ran the ball more. Checked the ball down. Took what was in front of them. Past two weeks, Chiefs seems more dynamic because of that versus what we already know they have with some of the motion, the jet sweeps, the play action, all the things we already know that they do really, really well, which let's face it, every other team is trying to find. The Chiefs just have to play simple football to open that back up. We've seen it now. They've learned how to do it. Mahomes is maturing more into not just wanting the big play and holding on to the ball for too long, forcing it down the window. He'll check to the run. He'll throw the screen pass. He'll check it down. Give it to Kelsey. Give it to Hardman underneath. Against an Oakland team where I think the magic of an interim coach now has faded. You know, Gruden leaves shockingly. You get a well-respected, long-time assistant coach to fill in. Guys want to rally for him. That gets you three or four weeks. We're past that. Big gap in coaching into this game. Huge gap in talent. Chiefs by at least two touchdowns. They cover the nine and a half. Third one. The Saints, they travel to New York to play the Jets. The Jets are the the worst team in football. First year, it's too soon to talk about Zach Wilson. Mike White had his moment. They bring in Joe Flacco, veteran guy. Defensively, not even close. 
Robert Salah was on the sideline last week having his his first real moment of, man, am I, this is this really the team I'm coaching? I know what the Saints injuries are. Dennis Allen, who I think deserves a head coaching job next year with what he's done the past couple of years coaching that Saints defense. Sean Payton, one of the best coaches in the league. You want to talk about being able to adapt. He may love Taysom Hill too much. He may even admit someday he loves Taysom Hill too much. But guess what? He's still creative. We saw what Taysom Hill can do on his feet. He missed some basic throws, but against the Jets, they're going to be even more open than what he was facing Thanksgiving night against the Bills. Saints are favored 5.5. They win this game by 13. Dallas travels to Washington, D.C. to play the football team. Now, Riverboat Ron Rivera, I thought, was getting pretty close to Pete Carroll mode when he was having his little battle with Chase Young. And shame on me for doubting Riverboat Ron. Because since Chase Young has been out, that defense has been clicking. Offensively, they're doing enough. They're scoring enough. They're staying in games. It's cold now. It's going to be cold on Sunday in D.C. Cowboys come in. They do get Amari Cooper back. We do knew the productivity and the speed that C.D. Lamb has. But I don't know if Dallas is tough enough on the road, in the cold, against a strong physical defense to win this game. I think at a minimum it's close and you get four and a half with the football team. I love them getting four and a half at home. Ezekiel Elliott's been 70%. It's going to be a cold weather game physical. Tony Pollard broke that run last week, but if there's one thing I know is... Mike McCarthy's on that sideline, and even though Kellen Moore's calling the plays and he may not even do the subs for the running backs, is that Dallas team does not play Tony Pollard nearly enough. He's fast, he's quick, he can receive. I'm not going to say he's better than Zeke because Zeke at 100% to me, still a top three back in the league, and it's disrespectful to say otherwise. But right now with Tony Pollard at 100% and Zeke beat up, man. What I'm seeing from Tony Pollard, I can't believe Dallas isn't playing on at least 10 more snaps a game. I know they won't. You know at some point Mike McCarthy, who still hasn't learned in all his time, his time away between Green Bay and Dallas, how to manage the clock. To me, this is going to be a close game. I think Dallas can win maybe on a field goal. I think football team can can win this outright, but I love them getting four and a half at home. They've been playing great defense. It's similar... Really, you have you have the football team doing something that that teams do in the NFL, which is they have a really well-timed bye week, which they had a couple weeks ago, and they come off that, they get a really good win, primetime game, Monday night football against Seattle Seahawks at home. To me, they carry that over on Sunday at home in a physical game. It's going to be close. I think they're going to win. Give me the football team getting four and a half. For number five, my last one, Los Angeles Chargers against New York Giants. Chargers are favored at nine and a half. Came out hot last week against the Bengals. Granted, they allowed the comeback. You got Herbert 
got a young team still managing to, hey, we got a big lead. We don't have to sit on the ball, but we still got to, you know, get a first down, huddle, don't need to rush, don't need to give them too much extra time with Joe Burrow on the other side. They got a lucky pick off a drop with Jamar Chase as well. But either way, going into that game, that was a huge win for the Chargers. They carry that momentum against a team that may be going against Jake Fromm, making his first NFL start. Daniel Jones will probably start, but he's really he's going in off a couple weeks and an injury. So there's still a chance you see Drake Fromm, who at Georgia, all he did was turn around and hand the ball off. And in New York, there's no one for him really to turn around and hand it off to. Offensive line can't make any room for Saquon. Saquon hasn't had the big play this year. He's not going to ground and pound it for you. Chargers are going to end up winning this game 14-17. They're favored by 9.5. It's an easy cover. I think the Giants team scores maybe 9 points in this game. The Chargers will be pretty close to 30. Time of year in December. True colors show in these teams. Injuries play a huge factor. Giants are incredibly banged up in a team that already lacks enough depth. I like the Chargers 31-9, easily covering that 9.5. Your all-around guy, week 14, five picks. Lions money line against the Broncos. Chiefs covering 9.5 against the Raiders. Saints covering 5.5 against Jets. The Washington football team at home covering four and a half against Dallas. And the Chargers covering nine and a half against an incredibly banged up Giants team. But especially at quarterback where we could see playing time for the first time with Jake Fromm, where all he did in college a couple years ago was hand the ball off. Those are your five NFL Week 14 picks. This is the All Around Guy Podcast. My name is Mitchell Stevens. Coming up next... I give you the most interesting sports story I've seen in a while. It came out this week, not getting much national attention. We'll talk about that. Stay with me. All Around Guy Podcast. So the most interesting sports story I've seen this week, and and really in a while, and one that at least I don't ever remember encountering of a professional sports franchise maybe not being allowed to enter their own arena. And within a two-week window, while the season's going on, well, the Arizona Coyotes NHL hockey team are about 23 days away from having their arena locked up on them if they don't pay $1.3 million in taxes that they owe. So the city of Glendale, which is where the Arizona Coyotes play at the Gila River Arena, notified them that unless they pay back the $1.3 million that they owe in unpaid state and city taxes, they will lock the arena to the team, to the vendors, and they'll do just fine with concerts and events. And so I'm not I'm not a spread the wealth guy. 
but I have no sympathy for pro franchise owners that can't pay their taxes on time. It's already a dysfunctional or organization and ownership group. The teams talked about selling and moving every year for the past 10 years. And then it comes out within, Hey, you got two weeks or we're going to lock, lock the gate. You're not going to have a home home arena to play in. So this starts getting some mention in the local Arizona newspapers. Looks like The Athletic and ESPN has it now. Xavier Gutierrez, who's the team CEO and president, released a statement saying there was an error. It was human error and an oversight that the taxes weren't paid. And that they will make sure all their bills to the state and local taxes are cleaned up. I wonder how many people have tried that with their own taxes. And how do you have a CEO and team president who at some point is not asking, have we paid our taxes? And if someone says yes, I guess that's it. As some of the reporting continued... It came about that the team has been underpaying vendors, working with them to pay 50%, making the vendor say we're clean, 30%, threatening litigation. This isn't an oversight. This is a dysfunctional team that tried to not pay city state taxes, continues to embarrass itself. And good for the city of Glendale and their city manager, Kevin Phelps, for sticking it on them and giving them two weeks or locking the doors. Being in a professional sports owner for millionaires, billionaires in America, that's how you know you've made it. This current Arizona ownership group's made a mockery of it. The city of Glendale's also told the Phoenix Coyotes that at the end of this year, they will need to find a permanent home. So it looks like they were able to clean up, finish off the season. Rumors are Houston. There's another suburb of Phoenix called Tempe they could end up in. Either way, this ended up almost ending midseason in two weeks before the All-Star break. And now they're able to buy themselves the rest of the year before having to find a new permanent home. And they cite, remember, they cite human error as an oversight for not paying taxes. One of the most fascinating sports stories I've seen in a while with us getting to the point of a team almost getting locked out of their home arena. More info on this story. Available on the athletics website, ESPN, if you care to read into it more. That's going to do it for this episode of the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at All Around Guy Podcast One. You can write into the show at All Around Guy Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and making this show a part of your day. We'll talk to you again soon.